here on ESPN Plus. Alongside Hercules Gomez, I am Sebi Salazar. We had images there of Santiago Jimenez, one of uh, a few Mexicans that celebrated a title over the weekend. Herc, what'd you get into over this Mother's Day weekend? Uh, you don't want to hear about it, but that's pretty cool from Santiago Jimenez. I mean, that's not a warm-up he's throwing down. That's like an actual blazer he's throwing down because the mm -hmm. old woman in front of him was cold. That's, uh, mm -hmm. it's, uh, listen... He's an amazing footballer and, and, and a class human being as well. So uh, hats off to him and congratulations. Unbelievable season. A champion, Herc, and a gentleman. Something they never said about you. All right, uh, so coming up, we're going to talk not just about Santiago Jimenez, the other Mexican that won a title this weekend, Orbelin Pineda as well. He in Greece. Uh, on the other side of the cone, we got some tough times for Americans abroad, not just in Europe, Herc, but also in Major League Soccer, we're going to check in on Toronto and what's going on with Bob Bradley and company uh, up there. And then we got a great, and I mean great, top 10 goals to get to here on Football Americas, episode 247, Herc, for those keeping track at home. But let's start with the Liga Emekis playoffs, because it is that time of year down in Mexico. We'll start with Chivas and Atlas, second leg from Estadio Akron, home of Chivas. Of course, Atlas won the first leg, one nothing. Isaac Brizuela early on, just missing Alexis Vega there, Herc. Yeah, Brizuela really impressive early on. Uh, gets away a few players here, and you thought Alexis would have it here. He goes to tax it with the outside of the right boot, doesn't get enough. 38th minute, Atlas chance. Julio Furch rounds the goalie. Orozco, Chiquete Orozco, incredible play off the line. Yeah, Brian Lozano threads the needle, gets that ball to Furch, and Furch around the goalkeeper, but now, not today. Mm. Great hustle from the Chivas defender. 60th minute, corner kick Alexis Vega. Gilberto Sepulveda heads home. It's 1-0 Chivas. Sepulveda with the header. Keep your eyes on Antonio Briseño. There was a call, maybe a push to the back. No go, it's 1-0 Chivas. 1-1 one, one on aggregate. Chivas going through on the tiebreaker. A couple minutes later, Chivas won a penalty here. Yeah, they wanted a penalty. I think this comes off the side of his head right there, grazes it. So I'm okay with the no call. Uh, Pavel Panovic, Velka Panovic, excuse me, he's not. Uh, tense times there, but no PK. That's right. VAR says no. So we play on. 88th minute. Here comes Atlas. Julian Quinones, what a touch. Josiel Herrera, save Wacho Jimenez. Josiel Herrera had a few opportunities in this game to make himself big, to make himself known, to make himself the hero. Couldn't capitalize there. Next play, close chance here. Jimenez again bats it away. Atlas knocking on the door. How about this? Knocking off the post, Herc, Julio Furch. Yeah. Pollo Briseño is starting for this reason, and this reason alone is to combat the aerial balls of Julio Furch. Gets the best of him there, but Chivas gets the best of Atlas here. Chivas winning 1-0, and they advance thanks to the tiebreaker. All right, what about Club América and Atlético San Luis? América winning the first leg 1-0. At San Luis, second leg at Azteca. Second minute, San Luis on the attack. And don't miss by much here. Yeah, it's Dieter Villalpando right there. Uh, nice little cross. He had himself a game. And then it's a set piece, something that's plagued America all season. Unai Bilbao with the header, the defender. Nobody on him as easy as it gets. It's 1-0. 
San Luis up 1-0 in the game, still down 3-2 on aggregate. 31st minute, Leo Bonatini, the finish. It's 2-0 San Luis. Bonatini right there, the Brazilian in between. In between, excuse me, Layun and Hueso Reyes, nobody on them, and that's going to be very easy. 3-3 on aggregate. America still going through on the tiebreaker, but trouble, pressure, mounting. America looking for a cushion. Chance here denied, just battering the San Luis goal into the second half. Yeah, Sanchez, the goalkeeper, coming out of nowhere, making himself present. And finally, in case of emergency, break open. He's on the field. Henry, Henry Martin. Martin on as a sub, and it leads to this with Diego Coca watching. Diego Valdez, the shot, and the ex-LAFC man, Brian Rodriguez, scores the goal to give America some breathing room. They're back on top, 4-3 on aggregate, and that's how the game finished. So Chivas and Club America both through to the semifinals, Herc. But which of these two giants suffered more in advancing through the quarterfinal round? Whoa, it's, it's Club America, and it's not even close. Club America was one of the better teams this season, and one of the top teams, one of the favorite teams to take Liga Mekis, that title. Uh, San Luis was the 12th ranked team in league play. San Luis only won five games all season. San Luis is the worst offensive team in Liga Mekis. Out of everybody, out of the 18 teams, they are the worst, only 16 goals scored. And yet somehow, in El Estadio Azteca, America's fortress, America's home, the historic Estadio Azteca, they carved America open with direct play, being physical, being just, if you will, when it mattered having the aguacates, they made America look more than vulnerable. An America team that we know had had these defensive issues all season. Like, it's nothing new to hear that America, the center backs are an issue, whether it's Araujo, whether it's Cáceres, whether uh, it's, it's Reyes, whoever it is, it's an issue. We know that the fullbacks, Layun, is getting a little long in the tooth. He's getting a little old, and he can offer you something going forward, but maybe not defensively. We had known about these issues, but all of a sudden, mental mm -hmm. issues, they don't have the fortitude to really take it to San Luis when it matters. They get... I don't want to say shared or scared, but they get a little rattled uh, at home. That was really surprising to me, especially against this version of San Luis. San Luis that I just mentioned only won five games all year. So I was very surprised with America, but they by far the team with the, they got the biggest scare here. Yeah. America suffered, Herc. I won't deny that. And they suffered way more than I thought they would against San Luis, but they did not suffer more than Chivas. Of the 180 minutes, remind me, was there any moment where America was going home, where they were out? What do you mean? They what do you mean? They weren't. I've not seen America play that bad in I don't know how long. Have you? Ah. America did enough to advance <laughs> and did enough to advance without the need of the tiebreaker. You want to talk about suffering, Herc? Let's just ask our friends, Chivas fans. Do you think Chivas fans were suffering more at the end of the game as Atlas is pouring forward, slamming it off the post? Or do you think America fans were honestly suffering when, by the way, they still had the advantage late in that game before uh, Brian Rodriguez gets the eventual goal that puts it in? in, in I, I think America fans were suffering zone. a lot more. Absolutely. No way. I, no yes. way. Chivas yes. were out. Chivas were out for most of the quarterfinal until 30 minutes to go and a corner kick out of nothing. Chivas are gone. How can you say they didn't suffer they more? Were, they and, were up 1-0. They, they, they already, from the moment they scored, Sebi, they're in the driver's seat. It's Atlas who need to put forth that goal. It's Atlas who need to knock Chivas out. In this very moment, the way the game was going with San Luis versus America. For 30 minutes of 180, Chivas were in charge. Sebi, for 30 minutes of Sebi, 180, Her. It's not, Sebi, Sebi. 
the way that San Luis played America and the Azteca, I've not seen America fans that nervous, that rattled, Please. and I don't know how much. What's maybe the last time they played Pachuca in playoffs a year ago? That's the oh same feeling I was getting. Did you feel comfortable with what you were watching? America dominated. It was done in the first leg. They could afford to lose at home and still they go through. They dominated. Hurt, they had 46 wow. shots in two games. They had 23 shots on they goal. Dominated. She just scored one goal in 180 Vitinho minutes. Vitinho and Murillo made your team look average, and they dominated. Is that what you're saying? Is that you're telling me they dominated? Henry Martinez hasn't scored in they three games. They did not games, suffer. They were never in danger of going out, Hurt. You. You cannot say they were never in danger of going out, Seb. The 12th place team that Please. only scored 16 goals yeah. all season. And Chivas were out were until, until the goal from Alexis Vega. Chivas were out. Seb, Seb, Chivas loses to Atlas in a rivalry game, mind mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And nobody's making as big of a fuss no, as No, no, no. Here America we go. We go back to, to always that the expectations for Chivas are less than the no, expectations no, no, no. for America. No, no, no. We're That's not talking not the about question. We're not talking the question about the expectations. Is who suffered I'm talking more. about the feeling. That's Chivas why. were staring at elimination with half an hour to go. What's the number one thing when it comes to suffering? It's how you feel, correct? <laughs> correct? Chivas fans were sweating bullets at the end of that game. Can you say the same about America? You can. can. you say the same about America? I, no, listen, you can't. I understand no, you're you trying cannot. to protect your team, but this is an easy one. America, no. by far, is the no. team who suffered most here. The swing no. of emotions made the suffering no. so much greater. We're going to see. We're going to see in the semifinals. Let's move over to the <laughs> other side. I won't answer who suffered bracket. more. Shall we? Okay. Uh, Tigres and Rayados on the other side of the bracket. Let's start with uh, Tigres and Toluca. The Sunday afternoon affair. Tigres up 4-1 after the first leg. 26 minutes in. Toluca on the prowl. Brian Angulo to Edgar Lopez, who does this, and it's 1-0 Toluca. Yeah, Ivan Lopez, maybe a bit fortunate, right? Off a defender, deflected, but still a goal's a goal and a very important message here. But look at this. Like, what are you doing here? If, if you're Tigres, that ball coming over the top, letting Ruiz just finish the ball off that way. It's very, it's a very brave finish, valiant finish, and it puts everything in perspective. A lot to play for. 2-0. Marcel Ruiz, the goal. Carlos Gonzalez, the assist there. Toluca up 2-0 down, just 4-3 on aggregate. We go into the second half. Toluca need a third. Gonzalez, the header. It's Lopez again, and look out. It's 3-0, 4-4 on aggregate as of now. now. Toluca going through. Now, on the telecast, they were claiming he's in an offside position. Charlie Gonzalez, mm-hmm. offside position. It's a goal kick. No offside goal stands. 71st minute, Tigres responds. Sebastian Cordova. Yeah, maybe shades of an offside here for me right there. Doesn't they get called. It. They checked it. I, I thought it was off. They didn't. Uh, goal stands. But this is a very good play from Sebastián Corda, who's having himself a hell of a playoff. Four goals in his last five across all competitions. Stoppage time. Toluca need a goal or the season over. That's the last chance. Leo Fernández, his shot wide. Toluca win the game 3-1. But Tigres, the seven seed, advanced 5-4 on aggregate. Saturday, Rayado Santos, second leg in Monterrey, scoreless first leg in Torreón. Three minutes in, Rogelio Funes Mori, and just like that, Rayados up. Yeah, three minutes in, the one guy you don't want to give an opportunity to five yards out is Funes Mori, the all-time leading goal scorer for Rayados in Monterrey. It's 1-0 early on, and hey, we got it! Go back! Go, Doria! It's a goal! It's a... They cannot call this offsides. Seb, they oh, cannot, but they will. They cannot oh, but call they that. Will. They cannot call that offsides. What are we doing here? Like, what, what, what are you coming to? That's offsides? Come on. The big Brazilian center back denied. Still one nothing. 
20th minute. Great chance here. Santos desperately trying to hammer it home. Somehow doesn't get over the line. No, across the face of the goal, no go. And then, look at here. <laughs> Would have been a great own goal. Uh, they, only own goal golazos. That's the only own goals that exist. That was in the 63rd minute. Five minutes later, Omar Govea, Maxi Mesa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, this is a foul. There, there is there is obstruction right here. Watch, he's bumping the player the whole time. That's Hector Moreno right to the center back, bumping Campos. Should have been a foul, not called. There was another play for a penalty kick for Santos, not called. Like, I, wow, I don't want to get into it. All right, Rayados advanced 2-0 on aggregate. Santos eliminated. Herc, Tigres or Rayados? Which of the Regiomontanos impressed you more in their quarterfinal? Can I be honest? It neither impressed me. Like, I'm going to be, I was very underwhelmed by both. But if you're asking impressed me more, okay, let me make a case for Tigres. Now, how can they impress you more if they almost blew a three-goal lead when they were winning four to one? L let me explain. Uh, Tigres is a team that's not scored many goals this <coughs> season, which is very strange because they have the last three Golden Boot winners on their roster. Literally, before Henry Martin, the last three Golden Boot winners are on this roster, and yet in the last 14 games, they've only scored more than one goal in a game once. That was against Toluca in a 3-2 loss where two players from Tigres got red carded and they threw caution to the win and went forward. They're a team that doesn't score many goals. So I was worried about how that attack would face going against a team like Toluca would be forced to score goals. In an opening game, they scored four goals. They showed me something different. And yes, they went down three goals in Toluca on the second leg and almost collapsed. What? But when most teams would have folded, when most teams would have packed it in, sent it home and said, hey, perfect excuse to say, we blew it, not our date, we're gone. Muscle memory kicked in. The best team of the last decade remembered who they were, and they scored a very gritty, very good goal to advance them. That coupled with what I saw from Monterrey, which was very underwhelming <clears throat> in the first mm -hmm. leg, in the second leg, I maintain, I maintain that they should have had a lot more calls go against them. The call against Santos for the first offside goal wasn't offside for me. There should have been a foul on the second goal. There shouldn't be a penalty kick given to Santos, who, by the way, Santos was the worst defensive team in all of Mexico besides Mazatlan. They shipped away four goals against Pachuca. They shipped like something like 37 goals against in regular season. It was an insanely bad tournament for the 13th worst team in Liga Mekis, 13th mm -hmm. worst team, because that's how they got in, on a technicality, okay? I, I was very underwhelmed with Rayados. Uh, I think they're very suspect, uh, and they <clears> don't <throat> take enough chances, so I I'll stick with Tigres on this one. Sure. I mean, if we're just going to go off who they played, you got to go Tigres, right? M much better opponent, much more impressive victory in Toluca. I think, though, there's a lot more to it than that. I think the how matters here, and to me, blowing a 4-1 lead is pretty problematic if you're Tigres. That's not that impressive to me. Right? You had a 4-1 lead, and with 20 minutes to go, if you're Tigres, you were out. You needed that, that big response that you did get, but against Toluca, Tigres, who, according to the odds makers, by the way, even though they had the lower seed, was favored, was going out. Rayados, to me, again, I use the same logic I use with Club America, and just like Club America, they were never going home. They were very comfortable. You talk about the first leg, I don't think Rayados had any urgency in that first leg because they knew they had the tiebreaker, they're going back to Monterrey, and everything was going to be okay, and it was okay when they got a goal three minutes into the game. They were in total control. They were the only team that got through the quarterfinal by more than just the one goal or the tiebreaker. 
So to me, they're the most comfortable team we saw in the quarterfinals. And on top of all that, they got a goal in the run of play from Rogelio Funes Mori. On the other side of this rivalry, when was the last goal we got in the run of play from André Pierre Gignac, who's been a penalty hero of late? He's scoring, but run of play. That, to me, is a big difference between these two teams. You got your guy scoring with Rayados. Uh, two things. First one, why is it that it only applies to blowing a lead for Club America, or excuse me, Club Tigres and not Club America? Uh, that's where it applies here, when it's Tigres and not America. America blew a, a lead against a much worse team. That, that should tell you something right there. And number two, a goal is a goal. I don't care if my goal scorer is scoring in the run of play or a penalty. Mm -hmm. I just want to get him going. That's the key mm -hmm. to getting players going. That's why when a player is in a drought, he wants to take a penalty kick because that's the key to getting his confidence back. So I'm not too worried about that. Uh, Andre Pierre Junyang, by the way, the only player active in this holy guia repechaje. Mm -hmm. um, scoring goals in playoffs. He, he, he's that man. I will give you this credit, Herc. You are consistent. Your Teletigres has been very consistent. You have been anti-Rayados from jump, and you keep that here uh, in this seg segment. Let's turn our attention to those that didn't You're make the semifinals. And it's just disgusting. That was her. Oh, allegedly. 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 Uh, and the team, one of the teams that didn't make it, Toluca, uh, who we were just talking about. Now, they were your pick, Herc, to win it all at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Is this a fracaso for Ignacio Ambriz, the manager, and his Toluca team? Mm, not for Toluca, because if I look at the way the season went and the standings and teams that were better as far as roster and investment, there were probably four, if not five, better teams, right? You have Monterrey, you mm -hmm. have Club America, Chivas, better in the standings. I'd say Toluca's in that echelon with Pachuca, with uh, Tigres, um, and Leon, that's where they are. Uh, phase two, you know, the second tier, if you will, not that top mm -hmm. tier. But it's a fracaso for Ignacio Ambriz. And the reason it's a fracaso for Ignacio Ambriz is because he gave leg one away. Now, I'm going to get tactical for a second, but you have something that's been working. You're going 4-4-2 for the majority of the season with Ivan Lopez, a young Mexican striker up top with Charlie Gonzalez. And you change that. And you put in Leo Fernandez, who started seven games all season. One of the last seven games he actually started. He's not been starting for you. And yes, he scores off a free kick. But after that, it's this 4-2-3-1 formation. And there's a complete avenue uh, to the heart of your defense. And you ship off four goals against a team that was nowhere near scoring goals this season. He lost it in leg one. By the time... He decided to put Ivan, Ivan Lopez back in the lineup and go to a 4-4-2. It was too late. Four goals was too much to, to overcome. Ivan Lopez, by the way, ended up scoring two goals in the return leg. This full screen, by the way, is brought to you by uh, producer Beto's anti-Ambris agenda. Yeah, we get all the here. L's here. We get none of the W's. The guys yeah. won a CONCACAF Champions League. He's won a Copa. He's won Liga MX. We get none of that here. No love for Ignacio Ambris. Do we give any credit to Siboldi uh, here, Herc, by the way? Um, yes, I give a lot of credit to Siboldi because I think he's been able to do what Chima Ruiz was not able to do, the ex-manager of Tigres. He was, he brought stability. He brought a belief back to this team that just needed a little bit of confidence and a little bit of order. He made some big decisions. It's a big decision leaving Carioca off the lineup and putting Bigon in. It's a big decision giving Linus a start. It's a big decision giving Raimundo Fulgencio a start. He went with some young players. It's a big decision giving Cordoba that confidence in how he's responding. So, yes, Eboldi gets a lot of credit. Though, 
I was a little worried that he was going to pull a Cruz Azul, a Cruz Azul Yard, because mm. Pumas, um, when they came back from four goals down to Cruz Azul, the manager of that infamous semifinal game was Siboldi, but he managed to pull through, so I'll give him tons of credit. But I'm with you, producer Beto. He's got this anti-Ignacio uh-huh. Ambriz agenda, and you I don't, don't get think Ambriz has, has, has an issue winning the big game, as, no, as that I, full I, screen I and producer Beto would suggest. I, I do not. I do not. Okay, Beto, producer Beto says, what if he gets fired? There's going to be another club who picks him up because he's a very good coach. <laughs> All right, we are pro, pro Nacho here. Pro Nacho here on Football Americas. Nacho Ambris. Nacho! All right, here's a look at the Liga Mekki semi-final slate. We got Tigres Rayados uh, from El Volcán on Wednesday and then Chivas América from Estadio Akron on Thursday. Those are the uh, first legs of the semifinals in Liga MX. Clásico Regio. Clásico Nacional in the semifinals. What more could you ask for? Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Mark, let's run it back with the U.S. men's national team. We'll start with a guy, Gio Reyna. His seventh Bundesliga goal of the season as Dortmund won 5-2 against Gladbach. Edwin Terzik, Gio Reyna does not make it easy for me because he could he could start all these matches. He challenges other guys every day. This is the concept of performance that we want to have. Strange, he still can't get a game for you, yet he keeps scoring goals. That's right. Uh, Dortmund winners over Joe Scally's Gladbach. Scally, DNP in this one. To France, following Balogun, his 19th league goal of the season from the penalty spot, Her. That's what I'm talking about, Seb. It doesn't matter where it's from. He needed that goal. It's been a while. He's been cold as of late. Hopefully this goal, doesn't matter if it's a penalty kick goal, gets him back on track. His squad uh, lost the game 2-1 on Friday. Some good news here. Malik Tillman has been named Scottish Premiership Young Player of the Year. He also earned... Best 11 honor, so did Cameron Carter-Vicker. Shout out to him. Tillman, 12 goals, 5 assists in 42 appearances for Rangers. How about that, Herc? Great season. Scored some Europa League goals as well. I want to see him at a higher level. I think he has it in him. And also, his brother, Tim mm-hmm. Tillman, Timothy Tillman, excuse me, is making waves here at LAFC here in Major League Soccer. Yeah, according to The Athletic, just uh, made the switch to the U.S. men's national team. That could be very interesting. Uh, Tillman's season has, of course... Ended thanks to an injury. He is, of course, on loan from Bayern Munich as well. His future uh, very much up in the air. There will be lots of interest. From Scotland to England, not the Premiership, the Premier League. Leeds drawing 2-2 against Newcastle over the weekend. This despite the fact that they went ahead just seven minutes into the game. Weston McKinney, he started to play the full 90. Brendan Aronson was a sub on 
in the 87th minute. Of course, Tyler Adams still injured. The result leaves Leeds in the relegation they zone the penalty with two games too. left to play. Those are the Americans at Leeds. What about at Chelsea? Christian Pulisic. Uh, Chelsea drew over the weekend, also 2-2, Nottingham Forest. Chelsea now in 11th place, seven point back of even Fulham. Shout out to Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson. Pulisic dressed but did not play over the weekend. His last Premier League action one month ago, exactly April 15th in a loss against Brighton. All right, Herc, who's in a worse situation? Christian Pulisic at Chelsea or the American trio at Leeds? Who's in a worse place? Um, it's got to be the American trio at Leeds. Listen, Christian Pulisic's going to find a suitor. He's going to land on his feet. He's not playing, and it's not the first time he's not played. Uh, but let me tell you where Leeds is at at the moment. They're 18 out of 20 in the Premier League in relegation zone. They've got a few games left. Uh, they need some help. Okay, they got West Ham and Spurs. West Ham, I think, is mathematically safe. It'd be an impossibility for them to get relegated, but they're mm -hmm. still trying to fight out and, and finish the season strong. And Spurs is fighting for European spots, whether that's Conference League or Europa League. Uh, we, will, we will see. Um, what happens when you get relegated? It's a stain on your CV as a player. Mm -hmm. Your value goes down. When your value goes down, that means there's a restructuring in contract. There could be a sale going elsewhere. There's a fire sale going on. You don't know what's going to happen. There's uncertainty with you, with your situation. Maybe a Tyler Adams, you could say, is, hey, Tyler Adams will find a suitor. He's proven himself, albeit being the defensive midfielder of the worst defensive team in the Premier League. That's right, the worst defensive team in the Premier League. 71 goals against makes them the worst team in England, or in the UK, I should say, in the Premier League. Maybe he'll find somewhere to go, a nice landing spot. Maybe Weston McKinney uh, will go back to Juve, and Juve certainly will say, hey, there's no room here. We're going to loan you out somewhere else, or we're going to sell you, and maybe the next place will be a place that he flourishes and it'll be a good level, maybe. Brendan Aronson, maybe he ends up down in the championship. Maybe that's going to be his level. Uh, hmm. Maybe there's a restructuring of contract. Maybe these players don't get back to the level that they once had in the Premier League. The devil that you know is what you want. Uncertainty is what you don't want. And that's what we're looking at when we're talking about these relegation battles. Christian Pulisic, he's been here, he's done that. This, nothing's going to change because he's in this funk, in this bad season. Having a low Christian Pulisic on confidence come Nations hmm. League could be problematic, but three... Fundamental players to the national team, like Aronson, like Weston McKinney, like Tyler Adams, come summertime for the national team, that's going to be problematic as well. So it's a sticky situation for these players in relegation zone. I'm not too worried about Christian Pulisic. I don't know, man. At the end of the day, I'd rather be playing than not playing. That's that's why I'm choosing Christian Pulisic. Like, at least the Leeds guys, you painted the picture well. It's it's bleak. It doesn't look like they're going to stay up. West Ham Spurs, tough competition in the last two, and they got ground to make up. Uh, yet for all that hurt, at least Brendan Aronson's going to play some minutes. At least Weston McKinney's going to start. At least those guys can have an impact, not just in whether or not Leeds stays up, but it's an audition for whoever else is out there. Because let's be honest, Mark Ogden was on this show and he told us that if Leeds go down, it's likely that none of these guys are staying. McKinney's on alone. Kyler Adams has proven he's Premier League level. And maybe to your point, Brendan Aronson stays, but I think Brendan Aronson even gets a move. Christian Pulisic right now cannot even audition for what's next and that makes me worry her that he's going to have very little value this summer which is going to mean chelsea's not going to be willing to spend him. 
to, to sell him. And that's going to end up with where we've been all along at Chelsea. Hopelessness for Christian Pulisic. We now know it's going to be Mauricio Pochettino. Maybe you're going to give me some hope there. You think he's the guy to finally bring something out of Christian Pulisic? Because at this rate, I don't think Pulisic's going to have many suitors this summer. One could hope for Christian Pulisic. Listen, it's the same story of Christian Pulisic, rinse and repeat. It was like that with Frank Lampard. It was like that with Thomas Tuchel. It was like that after with Graham Potter. Hopefully, if he ends up staying at Chelsea, it won't be like that with Pochettino, but only Christian Pulisic can get himself out of this mess. And listen, you're swimming in deep waters. That's a reality. Mm -hmm. No team has spent more in world football as of late than Chelsea. That's a reality. So if you're there, you're going to have to fight off some big sharks, some big fish, some big players for some playing time. It is what it is for Christian Pulisic. But I'm thinking most likely he leaves. I mean, think if he stays for another year. They're going to lose leverage. I mean, I'm talking they as in Chelsea. They're yeah. going to lose a lot of financial uh, ability to sell um, any type of or leverage any type of transfer when it comes to Christian Pulisic. And he could even leave on a free. I don't think that's happening. Yeah. I guess I'm just shocked at what's happened since Lampard arrived. Because to me, we talked about on this show, we really thought that was going to be good news for Christian Pulisic. It has been the exact opposite. And I have to ask the question, where is that coming from? Because if you're Frank Lampard and you're in this you know, very unique role at Chelsea, you're trying things and nothing is working right now. There's not been an uptick since Frank Lampard arrived. And you're not using Christian Pulisic, a guy who, by the way, worked quite well for you when you were actually in charge of the club. This must be hurt to me coming from somewhere up higher in the club because there's there's no logical reason why Frank Lampard wouldn't at least roll Christian Pulisic out. If there's one manager at Chelsea who knows what Christian Pulisic can do, it's Lampard and he's not even giving him minutes. Frank Lampard has two wins in the last 20 games he's managed in the first division. You're trying to find logic? You're trying <laughs> to find reason? Come on. Touche. Touche. <laughs> All right, uh, speaking of relegation, that's where Leeds may be headed. They're, of course, in the championship. Who's coming up? That's what we want to know. The promotion playoffs are on ESPN+. Plus. First legs were over the weekend. Zach Steffen, uh, he got the start. He made zero saves, but he did pick up the clean sheet, as you see there, Middlesbrough and Coventry City playing to a scoreless draw. And then Ethan Horvath, he started and made two saves. Unfortunately, his Luton Town lost 2-1 against Lyndon Gooch's Sunderland uh, that game on Sunday. The second legs of these playoff semifinals will be on ESPN Plus this week. Luton Town against Sunderland, second leg for a spot at Wembley Tuesday. Coverage starts just before 3 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Plus. That's the second leg of the first semifinal, second leg of the second semifinal on Wednesday. Again, just before 3 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Plus. Middlesbrough against Coventry City, scoreless headed to the second leg. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be.
It's hanging banner season, Herc. Let's start in the Eredivisie, where Santiago Jimenez and Feyenoord won 3-0 over the weekend. Hence, go-ahead Eagles. Santi on the score sheet again, his 15th of the season, Herc. Gets one with the right foot, showing some major strength there. Holding off the defender, nice little finish. Look at this view. He's going to give the defender the body, holds him off right there, and then right-footed into the top of the net. Beautiful goal from Santiago Jimenez. He has been red hot to finish the season. Feyenoord clinched the Eredivisie title for just the second time this century and the first time since 2017. Shout out Dennis De Closa there as Feyenoord raised the Eredivisie title on Sunday. Here's Santiago Jimenez. Hey, you stand next to each other, the man who made Feyenoord the last time. And now you. Now he, he obviously is another level, but we try to do our best and, and we are champions now. At halftime he said uh, hopefully he scores also, he also scores three times uh, in, in this match. It's difficult, but I try, I try, but it was for me personal, a bad game for me, but we won and it's important. They know how to party here, right? How do you like it? Sorry? How do you like it, the party here? Amazing, amazing. It's, did you know it could be like this? No, I never imagined this. This is amazing. It's, it's the best. You've been champion in, in Mexico. Uh, how is it compared to here? Yeah, they are similar. Cruz Azul and Feyenoord. They are the, the best fans in their country, so it's the same. Could you imagine, uh, like uh, over a year, no, less than a year ago, you came here and that you would reach this? Uh, we always dreaming. It's difficult, but we fight till the end, and this team deserves this. What was the most important thing, like the change you made? In, in the beginning, it was hard for you, but now you're without the first striker. What was the most important thing that changed? I always say it, uh, for me, it's no one striker. Uh, Danilo and me are the same. Uh, sometimes he plays, sometimes I play, and we, we did the best. So now, this is for all the team. All right, congratulations to Santiago Jimenez. Where was I guard? Pascal Kamperman there. Let's go to Greece. Orbelin Pineda and IK in action against Volo Sunday, needing a win to get the title, and they got it quite easily. They end up winning 4 nothing. Orbelin scoring his ninth goal of the season in the process, Herc. What was that, Arsenal of the early 2000s? What's going on here? Orbelin Pineda <laughs> with a nice give and go and a little finish chip over the goalkeeper. Smooth, smooth goal. 13th league title for AK. They will go for the double playing in the cup final next week. So a big league title there for Orbelin Pineda and Matias Almeida. That's two Mexicans, Herc, winning European titles this weekend. Add to that Chucky Lozano, and we've got three. So quite a season for Mexicans in the European theater. Is it something, nothing, or everything as we head to the summer? Well... It's everything because of where Mexican football was before this. I mean, it's been an abysmal 18 months. Like, if you needed some positive news, mm. it was this. It was that your player pool is not only strengthening, but there's some positives with it. Chucky Lozano, and you can see his contributions, maybe it wasn't what we thought it would be, but he's still participating in one of the best teams in the world, a top five team in the world in Napoli. And they won! 
Napoli won. It wasn't Roma, it wasn't Juve, it wasn't one of the Milans, like I said last week. It was Napoli that's massive. Orbelin Pineda, after what he lived at Celta de Vigo, going, uh, joining Matias Almeida in Greece, winning, just proves uh, how, how big he's been as a player, how he keeps growing. He was a surprise inclusion in some of the starting 11s in Mexico, especially that um, Saudi Arabia game, excuse me, in the World Cup, mm-hmm. which was a very productive, very positive display on his part. And Santi Jimenez, and this is the best part for me with Santi Jimenez, how he debunks this theory that you need to dominate in your league or your region before you make the jump, that you need to live a process, un proceso, before you make the jump to Europe. The man never scored more than five goals in a season in the four-plus years he was in Liga Mekis, and he goes on and in his first European season in the Eredivisie. Mm. And he's two goals away from fighting for a golden boot and already won a league title. Any way you slice it, this is everything. This is a just ray of sunshine for an abysmal and dark uh, 18 to 20 months as a Mexican national team fan. Yeah, Herc, I think with so few Mexicans in Europe, you're right to question, like, can they do it? This proves not only that they can, but I think that they must. Santi Jimenez is a great example, a guy who needed to make the jump to take his game to the next level. And there's not a better example than Orbelin Pineda, who's in that that kind of mid-20s age range where you might say, hey, man, this guy's too old. Well, he made the jump, and I think we saw at the World Cup. We saw a very different Orbelin Pineda at the national team level than we'd seen before he made the jump to Greece. I think going to Europe uh, made a big difference for the player. It's not just titles, Herc. It's the three guys specifically who won them as well. This is most likely, if everybody's healthy, Mexico's front three. So you now go into the summer with your front three playing well and winning. For me, Santi Orbelin Chucky has to be the front three provided health. And having them all coming off titles is only going to help you this summer. It can only translate over to the national team, right? Um, I agree with what you're saying. That it can translate into the national team to help you this summer. Absolutely. You want players who are in form and players who are confident. And these three players seem to be that. Uh, Orbelin wouldn't be in my front three. He'd be in my midfield um, like he mm. was in Saudi Arabia uh, and leading up in the World Cup. He was very positive in the midfield. I wouldn't move it. Uh, he's a very good dual player, a dual way player. I don't move that. But you're absolutely right. Listen, if you go into comparison with the favorites come June, which are the semifinal games, Canada versus Panama, probably both would bet Canada would beat Panama and make it to the final. And then the U.S. versus Mexico. Look at where the U.S. men's national team pool is today. Um, Mm -hmm. it's not a very positive moment. You have players Mm -hmm. who aren't playing. You have players who aren't making game day rosters. You have players just not in a good moment. In relegation scraps. In a relegation scrap, you have a coach Mm -hmm. that's an interim coach. You don't even have a head coach. Uh, I don't think you could bank on on just the names. And what I mean by just the names is having a Tyler Adams, having a Christian Pulisic, having... You know, as a, a Zach Steffen, Matt Turner, or Giovanni Reina, you can't just bank on the names. I don't think it's a good moment that the pool is living right now. And there is an uptick in the moment for the Mexican national team, who has a head coach, um, mm-hmm. who have a, a team that has played together a lot because a lot of those players are returning um, together and finally getting some good news. So, yeah, you could probably translate and say that this is – this good news could translate into them parlaying into something come the semifinal game. And it's worked the other way, right? It's worked for the United States. If we go back to 2021, when this show had just started, remember that spring you were celebrating Christian Pulisic winning the Champions League. Weston McKinney had won a cup in Italy. Serginho Dest had won a cup in Spain with Barcelona. Brendan Aronson 
was South winning America. the league in Austria. Yeah. And that translated her to the national team because that 2021 summer is really the summer that the United States overtakes Mexico and probably, at least until qualifying, overtakes CONCACAF. To me, you can see a direct translation when guys are winning at club level to what they do at the national team level. The Americans right now may not be feeling that, but the Mexican team, for the first time in a long time, to your point, has not just anything positive, but something very specifically positive in Europe. And I think that can only go a long way Tyler, towards June yeah. 15th and that and that Nations League semifinal. To your point, Tyler Adams was in a semifinal with with Leipzig, you know, in the Champions League. Yep. Zach yep. Steppen, sure, may not have had a prominent role, but he was on a winning City team. And that, by osmosis, that confidence carries over. So, yes, absolutely, yep. that that's a big difference. Okay. Looking for more confidence? Why don't we run it back with some other members of L3? Maybe feeling himself a little bit much here, because he, you know, he wasn't actually on the team, but Julian Araujo in the locker room and celebrating the La Liga title with Barcelona. Which you got one any is he? Hey. He's not the guy in the suit. No, oh, there, pink hair. I see him, pink hair. There he is. Nice. Oh yeah, he's up on the, uh, he's up on the on the bench there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Pink we hair. Got him. Oh, look at that. Look at that editing. There Bravo production. The spot shot. I was looking for the hair. Lampak represents. In Italy, Memo Chon and Salernitana, boy, what a big win they got. one nothing against Atalanta, Memo with three saves. Yeah, man. Everybody questioned his decision to leave Club America. I guarantee you he took less money to go to Serie A. And to a team where he was going to fight relegation, probably get relegated again. That was a narrative with Memo Ochoa. Why are you going? You're going to get relegated again. What a turnaround. What a way to make a name for yourself in Europe. Absolutely. Memo Choa with another clean sheet for Salernitana as they get the win over Atalanta, ensuring their position in the Italian top flight. Raul Jimenez, good news for him. Finally, Hurt, back on the field after more than 50 days of inactivity. Unfortunately, came in a loss 2-0 for Wolves against Manchester United. Yeah, but he's back on the field. That's the first step. You got to prove that you're healthy enough. You got to prove that you're good enough to get back on the field. So baby step, Seb. Baby steps. Raul Jimenez back with Wolves. Speaking of back and baby steps, Tecatito Corona back with Sevilla and scores his first goal of the season after that broken leg that cost him the World Cup. What about that flick right there? Outside the foot and in the cutback. Tecatito Corona, listen, you could say what you want about Chucky Lozano, about Pineda, Santi Jimenez, but Tecatito Corona, when he's full strength, when he's confident, Mm. He's in your front three every single time. All right, let's see if he can get back there. Looks looks good there with the goal in a 3-0 win over Valladolid. Sevilla and Tecatito back in action on Sunday. Ooh, it's the Derby of Seville. Sevilla and Real Betis. Andres Guardado sure to be involved. Uh, Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern time, noon Pacific. As always, La Liga available for you right here on ESPN+. What about Major League Soccer? Rivalry week. Well, they called it rivalry week. There weren't really that many great rivalry games, let's be honest. One of them, though, Montreal against Toronto. Montreal 2-0 winners over TFC. The second time in a week that that's happened. Montreal, of course, eliminating Toronto from the Canadian Championship. And now beating TFC in league play. A result that leaves Bob Bradley's Toronto last place in Major League Soccer's Eastern Conference. There we see it. This despite the fact that they have spent boatloads of money. So Herc, is it time for calm in Toronto or alarm? Ah, 
I'm somewhere in between. Like, let me explain myself, okay? And then I will give you the calmer alarm call right here. Um, this team, I feel like we've had this discussion before because you could change TFC for SKC, Sporting Kansas City, where we had the same mm -hmm. discussion that we just had, like, I don't know, a week ago with Peter Vermees, right? Oh. Peter Vermees is also the sporting director, so he's the acting GM, if you will. He's also making these business decisions like Bob Bradley. Bob Bradley got in by the time he got his Italian players last year, Benedeschi and um, Insigne. They were like 20-something games in. So, so that year's a wash, right? This is the first real year. You have to put some onus on Bob Bradley, but also put some onus on Bill Manning, the decisions they've made. Mm. You mentioned Bill Manning, the president of Toronto FC. You mentioned the boatload of money that they've spent. Well, that's on Bill Manning's plate as well. And one of those players, uh, Lorenzo Insigne, $14 million a season, $14 mm. million a season, got you six goals last year and has one goal this year. Lorenzo Insigne uh, has not been better than Federico uh, Bernadeschi, who's been scoring goals for fun in Major League Soccer since he got here. He's not been better than Richie Larea, who's a right back. He's not been better than Jonathan Osorio, who's a TAM player for Toronto FC. So it's also on these players. And it's also about who you have who's available. Let me give you some of the names that aren't available for Toronto FC. Uh, you've got Michael Bradley. He's not available. Mm -hmm. Adama Diomande, who's not available. You're nine, by the way. Matt Hedges, who was a big signing for you in the back, not available. Shane O'Neill, his replacement, not available. Jonathan Osorio, one of the most important, on your important players on your team, not available. Victor Vasquez, the list goes on. There's 10 players in total who are injured or not available. Um, and then the problems. Yes, this is where there's an alarm. It's one thing to have injury concerns. It's one thing to not be able to win away from home. They've not hmm. been able to win away from home. But when you have players who have been so good throughout their careers, like Mark Anthony Kay, when it comes to the fan base, when it comes to being loved and respected, having altercations with his own fans, it shows you that there's something deeper, something rooted hmm. and rotted that is going on. I will leave you with this why I will say it's not time for alarm, okay? Okay. Bob Bradley should be worried about a lot of what's going on. And the reality is he's got the keys to the car and in some ways hasn't designed this car like Peter Vermes, but has a say mm -hmm. in how the car is designed going forward. So they're not going to pull the plug right now. One thing to keep in mind with the calm or alarm is they're in last place in the Eastern mm -hmm. Conference right now. Okay? But a win would put him in sixth place. <laughs> A win, a win would put him right back into the mix because 6 through 12 all have 15 points, which is yeah. three more points in Toronto FC. There is no relegation. What are you fighting for? You're fighting against yourself as abysmal as things can be, losing twice in a week to your bitter rival. And I love this rivalry game. I really mm -hmm. do. Montreal versus Toronto. You're three points away from being in sixth place. Things can change like that in Major League Soccer. It's still way too early, but I'd be alarmed with the play I'm getting out of the players that mm -hmm. I have. $14 million to get you a lot more than seven goals in two seasons so far. Herc, you know that Toronto fan base well. You played there. How tolerant do you think they'll be of what's happening right now? I don't think tolerance the word because um, they won't be tolerant. The Toronto... Toronto was in a weird space in its existence in Major League Soccer, mm -hmm. where in its infancy and early years, never did anything of note, never won anything. And then all of a sudden comes the best Major League Soccer team 
in Major League Soccer's history. Greg Vanny's Toronto side, that for my money, that 2017 mm-hmm. team, uh, to, going on 2018 team, was the best team to ever play in Major League Soccer. And they won everything. Everything they could possibly win, besides the CONCACAF Champions League, they won. They were that team. So they have that expectancy. And MLS, MLS uh, excuse me, um, the, the, the ownership group, at uh, MLSE, the ownership group at um, Toronto FC spent a lot of money. You spoke about those boatloads of money. No team spends mm-hmm. like Toronto. You don't spend $14 million on a player per season. Lorenzo Insigne makes $14 million a season to get this type of result. They put the investment in. They expect the results, and the fans know that. Yeah. Interesting you use the word rotted, Herc, because I was thinking about this, and on a different level and maybe at a different time in the rot, I feel like Toronto FC may be kind of going the way of the LA Galaxy. There's some some similarities here. It's not necessarily that it's a team without ambition. It's a team with ambition, but just that seems to keep getting things wrong. You, when talking about the LA Galaxy, seem to almost have zero confidence that they can turn it around. No, Do you really true. have confidence that Toronto FC can turn it around? That's not true. I have confidence that LA, LA Galaxy can turn it around because I feel they got... This season... Yeah, because it's because it's Major League Soccer, and Major League Soccer is very forgiving. I was part of a Seattle Sounders team that was in way worse position. And in- you're telling me Toronto FC or LA Galaxy are gonna are gonna do what the Sounders did in 2016 and win MLS Cup? Come on, that's not what I said. I'm telling you that I've seen it before. I'm telling mm-hmm. you that all you need to do in Major League Soccer is get hot at the right time, and you're back in. It's playoffs. It's 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 an expanded field. It's Toronto who essentially could make moves, which the Galaxy can't. They're limited mm-hmm. in that sense. Toronto could make summer moves. Toronto have one more DP spot available to use. I doubt they will use that because I think the message sent down from ownership is we're done spending. We need to pull back because $14 million a year on a player, and we've not seen the results, have taught us that, hey, we can't just let you have an open checkbook. Um, but I'm not ready to give up on either team. Uh, I, I think a little bit of health. Um, some better decisions uh, and a bit of luck could could serve both right, and you could see a run happen. Listen, we saw last we saw last season with Toronto; they came up just short, mm-hmm. just short. All right, so uh, that's it for MLS. Let's move on to the women's game, Herc. Actually, to the European women's game. In case you missed it, French Cup final. Lindsay Horan and Lyon beat PSG two to one. She started and played the first sixty six minutes as Lyon got the W. We spoke about the men's team, the men's pool needing these good moments, the Mexican national team men's pool needing mm-hmm. these good moments. This is the same thing for the women's national team, Seb. I'm not as high as them as you are heading into the World Cup. They need yep. every ounce of confidence they can get. We will be back not on Thursday, Herc, but on Wednesday. we got a, a bunch of guests slated. Amanda Vandervoort going to join us from USL. Hallie Riley going to join us from the National Women's Soccer League. Uh, lots coming on the Wednesday edition, same time, 8.30 p.m., Eastern time right here on ESPN plus we're also gonna hear from the under 20 manager uh, of the United States Mikey Varas so oh. very exciting show Wednesday let's go Mikey's Hercules coming. Gomez okay Mike what are you rocking there a little club de cuervos I got my Tecatito Seria here baby and you let's hate go. it on Tecatito unbelievable let's go. you hate it let's on Tecatito let's go gracias Jose Blanco my buddy who brought it back from Spain hey, we can't hear you <laughs> 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 